everybody, C-Node here, and welcome to Super Myers Breaks Turbo EX, the show that is trying to level up your personal development. I think that's the tagline. I'm not really... I mean, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> we'll probably keep going with that. Uh, something in the gaming theme. But uh, I don't know. I also want to be sure that people know that this show is about like helping in your personal development. We talk about typology specifically on this show. I have another show called Dopamine, which is a little bit more well-rounded in terms of like mental health and entrepreneurship and freelancing and all of that stuff. Um, but this is specifically typology. So if typology is your jam, this is the place to go. And then if you want to go for more uh, well-rounded stuff, I suppose, go to dopamine.life and um, you know follow me there as well. Today on the show, I wanted to talk about uh, the INFJ and ENFP relationship. Uh, specifically, I got a couple questions from Naomi, our biggest fan. <laughs> and uh, she sent in a couple questions asking about uh, her relationship. And I got the green light to share um, all of this stuff on the show. So she's going to, we're going to kind of do this back and forth. I know last time I like threw a lot of questions and then answered them. In this case, I'm going to play a question, then I'll respond, play the other question, respond. There's like six questions here. We're going to go through them um, and fairly fairly quickly as best as we can, but still be as informative as possible and uh, try to help Naomi and any INFJ and ENFPs who are in you know this, this pairing, which is often seen as like a very natural pairing, but at the same time um, can be quite the challenge. So there's a lot to talk about because there's a lot of emotions flying around <laughs> and a lot of intuition flying around. So there's a there's a lot to talk about here. So let's hit the button and do the thing and uh, play the episode of Super Myers Briggs Turbo EX. Let's go. Okay. How's it going? I just had a couple more questions. I just listened to your podcast on MBTI and using that in romantic relationships. Um, so I'm an INFJ and my husband is an ENFP. And, you know, I've done a lot of research and I've seen that our two types are very different, but that they complement each other quite well. Um, and while we definitely have a lot of things in common and often speak a similar language because we're both intuitive, there's a lot of tension points between us. Whenever my husband and I are faced with conflict, we most often can talk it out like just two mature adults and we can try and come to a solution or kind of, you know, agree to disagree. But sometimes uh, we are faced with major tension points and what my chief complaint is, is that I sometimes feel that there's a lack of compassion um, on his part, especially during fights, and a, a difficult time taking on the perspective of me and trying to have a little bit more understanding of where I'm coming from. Okay. So um, one of the first things that I think would be good to address and talk about is that uh, that perception of the lack of compassion from the ENFP. I think it's really interesting the the relationship between the INFJ and ENFP. First of all, because you know uh, you mentioned that these two types complement each other, and they absolutely do because they have basically the same setup, but with opposite attitudes, right? So they lead with intuition. They have a feeling decision-making function as their secondary, a thinking function as their tertiary, and a sensory function as their uh, their inferior. And But they're ob opposing attitudes, and that's typically where kind of this clash occurs, especially in the feeling space, right? So I think one of the first things that we can kind of do is is sort of address that difference, right? That difference of attitudes with each thing. And and I don't think we should go, unless it's um, specifically appropriate, which will come up, um, we'll mostly try to address the dominant and secondary, because I think that's where most people live in their flow state, and um, really only reference the tertiary when it comes to defensiveness, which comes with, comes with kind of the, the territory of relationships. And... Um, 
you know, we'll address the inferior if it comes up in one of the questions, we'll see. Um, but for the most part, that intuition that you both share, that you can have that intuition language, it's important to know that that intuition language is fun to play with. Um, but it's all about, I bet, I bet most likely that the intuition that you're playing with is your intuition, that you're kind of, um, addressing your idealism and the uh, ENFP is sort of matching that. Um, I can't say for sure. Um, but, uh, cause everyone's a little bit different, right. And I don't want to generalize. That's the hard part about doing this show <laughs> is, uh, I don't, and why I appreciate you calling in because I, I'm, I have this relationship with typology where I like, I love it and I think it's great and useful, but there are times when it's spoken about in a vacuum and I don't think that's entirely helpful. So the best thing that I could do is give these suggestions and you have to kind of compare notes, but based on the attitudes, you know, your intuition is going to be about your individual idealism, what it is that you want your sense of perfectionism in a way, or what you would like the, the, you know, your, the world around you to be like, or, you know, your life to be like, like your sense of what the future is going to look like. And in the t- context of the relationship, you're more likely, you most likely have an ideal perspective as to like how the relationship is going to be right. Not necessarily how this person's going to be, how the ENFP partner is going to be, but how the culmination of the relationship will transcend something, right. That <laughs> Maybe the relationship will make you feel a certain way, or maybe that, um, you know, you'll, you'll kind of create this Zen feeling. I think of, um, actually a really good example of, I don't know if you've seen the show daredevil, but Wilson Fisk, especially in season three, um, Wilson Fisk, also known as Kingpin is typically talking about his partner, Vanessa in this personal idealistic kind of way. Like she is everything to me. She is going, she makes me whole. I have no other reason for doing anything because of that. And that's a lot of pressure to put on someone. I'm not saying you're doing this. I mean, it, but it's very possible. Um, and um, to sort of, um, while it's amazing, and I'm sure the ENFP appreciates and loves that, you know, they love being someone's world, which I, which again is why it's really good. Uh, complimentary. It makes their FI feel really good to know that they are personally appreciated. Um, but uh, that is a lot of pressure to live up to. So I think that projection of, in, of intuition is important to, you know, to kind of, not necessarily keep at bay, but I guess keep at bay. <laughs> I don't know. Um, not to not to just put too much pressure, right? And and not live too much into the idealistic world, but to accept who they are as a person and not who they promise to be or how or what you think they will eventually be, right? And and that's a challenge for an INFJ is to um, is, is to live in the present and see what's in front of them. Right. I mean, that's the inferior SE is, you know, living in the present. So you're seeing a lot of the good things that are happening right now, but it's all in relation to how this is going to continue to culminate in something magnanimous and fantastic. Right. Um, so, and I, and I, I'm speaking to you, the INFJ, because you're the one that called in, right? <laughs> so I'm, I'm not going to try to speak too much to what the ENFP could do. Um, in terms of advice, I'm going to be speaking to what you can do in relation to your partner, right? So um, that's kind of like one way to address the the intuition, because the ENFP is going to be thinking about intuition in terms of the way that they're just kind of like enjoying optimistic, idealistic space. Like it's going to be about being able to navigate the world and play and have fun and just kind of let loose and introverted intuition. While it's also in a sense of idealism and optimism can be mixed with the, you know, mixed with seriousness because of the INFJ sort of tone of being (laughs) in a way. So, um, it's important to sort of navigate that, that intuition space. Like if they want to just let go and they want to have fun and they're not trying to be serious about their intuition, like they're trying to just, you know, make, um, uh, assertions about like the way the world is or something, or just kind of like playing with it, you know, you have to play with them, right. And try not to take it too much into a serious place. I think it's important for them to match you also sometimes and be able to get to a serious place with you when you're talking about that intuition, uh, uh that, that intuitive stuff. But, um, you know, understanding for an extroverted intuitive, even myself as an INTP extroverted intuition, 
I just want to let go. I just want to have fun. I want no semblance of control. I don't want anyone trying to control me. And sometimes that introverted intuition can feel stifling to an ENFP because it's about a singular vision, right? So um, that adaptability is going to be important for for both of you in terms of your intuition. Now, your secondary function, um, in, in a way that to start addressing the perception of the lack of compassion is really the difference between FE and FI. So for you, you've got extroverted feeling as your secondary function, and that's going to be a place where you're going to be, you know, you want your needs to be met and you want his needs to be met and your partner's needs to be met, right? So you want this, you, you want a situation where everyone's kind of like, happy and getting along and, uh, and working through conflict in a way that is, um, still soft and compassionate, right? It's not a blowout of any kind. You're having a conversation. Um, but I've also noticed with my ENFP partner. So, you know, interestingly also I'm with an ENFP, so I can relate to a lot of the sort of difficulty sometimes communication wise with an ENFP. Um, not, a bad thing. It's just sometimes it's a challenge. Um, that FI is really hard to understand. And it's really hard to understand for the ENFP as well. So I think it's important to have empathy for that and understanding that introverted feeling is about how they feel and not necessarily about how you feel. It means they don't, it's not that they don't care about you, but how they feel is going to come first, whether they realize it or like it or not. Right. And sometimes that's going to butt heads with you. Sometimes in us in in the and, and but that's going to be good for you you know as an extroverted feeler you're going to feel this tendency to want to just kind of wipe the slate clean or want to just ignore every avenue or every aspect of conflict right it might not feel necessary for you to address every little conflict because it's going to you feel it might hurt the relationship, right? Because you're caring about how both of you feel, or you're caring about how they feel in relation to how you feel, right? Where the ENFP is only caring about how they feel. Uh, Again, not that they don't care about how you feel. I think an ENFP has greater empathy than even an FE type. I think uh, um, FI types have a little bit more empathy, like actually feeling something that other people feel. Um, Whereas other extroverted feelers are sort of playing with the room, right? They're not necessarily talking about their own emotions, right? So, but I think it's important for you to make sure that the ENFP knows that your emotions matter, that I want you to consider how I feel and, and, but it's also difficult. So to have patience with that is also a challenge. And then sometimes when there's like a defensiveness, right? The ENFP will go into their tertiary place of extroverted thinking. Sorry, I have a little bit of, I got to take a breath. (laughs) Going too fast. Sometimes I go too fast and I'm just like, (sighs) I I get excited. (laughs) And um, it's also really hot in my apartment. So I get distracted. Um, So I need like a fidgeter. I've just recently figured out that I have ADHD, uh, inattentive ADHD. So like when I get distracted by one thing, I'm like, ah, no, I'm off the rails. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's also an extroverted intuition in a way, but, um, but for the most part, I need something to like fidget to keep me focused. Uh, anyway, the lack of compassion from an ENFP is sometimes that can come out as that defensive function, that ent- extroverted thinking tertiary function when they can be pretty sharp, especially when I'm asking questions of my partner, she will, um, sometimes have very matter of fact, loud statements just like, I am, I'm trying, this is what I'm doing. That is what I said, you know, <laughs> she's very like, uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, it's very jarring to me, uh, because I know that as an introverted thinker, I'm just kind of playing with, um, data and asking questions and trying to, I have to remind her, and maybe that's something that you can use with your partner as well, is that uh, there's this reminder that I'm with her and not against her. And I think that is that is good for an FITE person to know that, especially an ENFP, to know that I'm with her, even if we're at odds and you know talking about something and working through conflict. That I'm with her, trying to discover this issue with her. Right? We are in this, trying to figure out where are the nodes in this system between us that are 
causing this conflict? Where is the origin for each of us individually or together? Right. And reminding her that I am, you know, feeling, you know, I, I want her to feel better, you know, and I'm asking questions in service of moving the conversation forward and that I'm not trying to attack or anything like that. So a lot of that clarifying language is absolutely important, right? To continue to conduct and to be honest throughout the conversation, not just wait until the end when everything's blowing up and everyone's upset, but like throughout the conversation to continue to use, um, not necessarily soft language. It doesn't have to be like, like repelling sort of like careful language. It's not about walking on eggshells. It's about making sure that you are reassuring them that they are heard, that you are with them. And I think that's how you can use extroverted feeling effectively is to make sure that you know, they know that you are with them. You are feeling this with them and that you are trying to work through this together. And, um, you know, I, that's, again, that's like, whenever I ask a question and I get like a jarring response like that, I, one of the first things I say is like, I just want to remind you that I'm with you, that I'm not against you here, that I'm not trying to, I'm not talking at you. I'm speaking with you. We're trying to work through this together. Right. And sometimes because of that FI, like an ENFP can feel like they're very much alone with their feelings, right? They're the only one feeling this and it is an absolute challenge. So again, that reassurance, I think is going to be one of the most important things to help through conflict. Um, I'm going to play the next questions and uh, continue to go through this. This is, this is going okay. <laughs> Let's play the next one. I, of course, asked my husband what his chief complaint would be when we have conflicts. And he said that I often become really cold and unfeeling. Um, I can be a little bit of an elitist. Um, and that I can just really demand this high um, standard of perfection from him when he tries to give me any feedback that I deem negative. All right. So I, I kind of sort of addressed it already in the beginning, but um, the coldness of the INFJ can be in relation to that desire for perfection and that desire for perfection is sort of a mix between that introverted intuition and that extroverted sensing, right? Extroverted sensing is usually in relation to like a physical perfection, um, in relation to their introverted intuition, but that introverted intuition is about, um, your, your personal sense of perfection, right? The perfection in the relationship. And I think, I think the ENFP feels that that can be dehumanizing, and also it can be, um, it can be stifling. Like it can feel like you're trying to put them into a box. Like they need to be something and an ENFP wants to be everything, <laughs> you know, and ENFP wants to be, um, everything to you, but also everything in relation to themselves. They want to continue to be adaptable, right? And to feel like they have to be a certain type of person to be walking on eggshells is um, not healthy and happy for them, right? Um, my ENFP partner used to be with an INFJ. Her ex-husband is an INFJ. And that was probably her biggest complaint was that he was just sort of in this, he would sometimes sort of like stare at her and it was like really creepy to her in a way that he would just be in this dreamlike state and like watching her and the kids and she would just be like, dude, stop. <laughs> and it was just really weird. Right. Um, and I think that is that physical manifestation of that, of just kind of like staring and picturing and idealizing and, and dreaming about it is I think the representation of the INFJ intuition. And it, it's not that you shouldn't have intuition, but the idea here is that understanding that your intuition is a learning style, right? That you're taking information from that intuition, from that idealism, and then having to apply it to actuality, right? And I think that is where a lot of INFJs get tripped up, where you're not taking that intuition as verbatim. You are taking that intuition as a tuning fork as, okay, this is where I would like life to go. This is where I would like our relationship to go. And it's certainly important to voice that, but that extroverted feeling 
is a way that you're making a decision based on that. Your extroverted feeling is taking that tuning fork of the intuition and then applying it to your relationships, to your community, to the world around you. In this situation, it would be about not necessarily trying to get your partner to be that perfection, but to see how much of that perfect life you are getting out of your partner already, right? And not making them be something that they're not. And it's easy for that to turn into a controlling thing because extroverted feeling can also be about, can also be somewhat manipulative if not used correctly, because it's about understanding the way that people think and understanding what they want and navigating that to what you want. And that becomes disingenuous when you are trying to, you're trying to like listen to someone's feelings and thoughts and caring about them and all of this stuff, but then you're trying to guide them to your perfection. That's messed up, right? So it's, it's about this balance, right? And I, I want to be careful because I'm, I'm not trying to call you a bad person or any INFJ, a bad person in any kind of way. But I think that is the universal challenge that a lot, a lot of INFJs who are developing face that, They want to trust their intuition and you should trust your intuition, but trust it in a way that is, it is a, it is a vision. It is a guidance. It is a way, it is a beacon, but you don't necessarily have to go to that beacon. If there are roadblocks in the way of getting there, you're not going to traverse landmines to get to that beacon, right? You might have to stop and fix something first. You might have to address what's in front of you. And again, that is a challenge of an INFJ because challenge and facing what's in front of you is your inferior function of extroverted sensing. So that is that is an incredible challenge for an INFJ um, to to face and um, uh, relying on that feeling function that that like checking in on your partner's emotional state and you know still trying to navigate things into like you know, sharing with your partner what that intuition is, but not expecting them to be that. That is, that is the difference there. Um, and that coldness can kind of also come out in your defensive state, which I think I'm going to play the next question and we'll kind of address that, um, after, after the next question. I am sure that there are many factors in play when it comes down to conflict, especially in romantic relationships between two different Myers-Briggs types, but I was just wondering if you might think that this has anything to do with any kind of loop that either one of us are stuck in, or maybe it's us reverting to our 10 year old function um, when we're stressed or when we're, you know, faced with conflict with somebody else. Just reflecting on everything that I've just said, I'm starting to wonder if it might be the both of us that need a little help and guidance in the direction of having more compassion understanding, um, and a little bit more patience with each other. Okay. So, um, in, in addressing the sort of defensiveness, I think it's a very natural state for a lot of couples to get into when they are arguing or, you know, working through a discussion, right? It's, um, it's easy to get into a a place where you're defensive, where you want to have your ego protected. And for an INFJ, that's going to get them into a place of sort of stoic introverted thinking. And that means that they are going to make a lot of harsh decisions that are not in consideration of the other person's feelings. It's going to be the opposite of extroverted feeling. And when not developed well, introverted thinking can be very cold and it can feel like the first thought that they have is rational and it's usually not. (laughs) Um, You know, introverted thinking is more powerful when it is understanding of its relativistic nature. So for me as an INTP with my introverted thinking, which I'm basically using throughout this entire podcast um, with a little bit of NE ridiculousness sprinkled in, (laughs) um, there is this introverted thinking leading the way in terms of understanding that, Hey, I can tell you as much as I can, but only you can apply this to your situation. Right. And when you're responding with introverted thinking, even though it's like, it's just not as well developed. And I think, I think a lot of INFJs would like to think that it is, they would love to feel like it is. I think that intuition makes them feel like a thinker, which is why a lot of INFJs mistype and um, it gets very confusing for them. And it's easy for 
it's easy for an INFJ to feel like that that intuition that they have is justified by their introverted thinking, that there is a cold, rational explanation, like, I want this, so I want this. <laughs> and that means that it's right. Or, you know, they see this vision of life and they're they're assuming that it's always going to go in that direction. Or or they see an intuition in the other direction, right? Where things are going to explode and they just say, like, well, you're a terrible person. And sometimes they can take that they can take that NIFE combo of really understanding the brain wiring of something and sort of this, I call it a bit of a manufactured empathy because it's not fully empathy. It's more of like understanding the way the brains work and then applying that to emotions. Whereas FI feels like actual empathy. Uh, that's kind of like another episode for another day. <laughs> but uh, uh, I think it's important for you to know that that FE can be about sort of, of navigating and emotional chess between people, right? I'm trying to shy away from the word from manipulative, but in terms of when it's not used well, it can come off as manipulative. So that NIFE combination can feel like you're trying to push something towards someone, whereas TI is solely individualistic, which feels really gross to an INFJ when they're in a conflict with someone, but it's also kind of a necessary function for them to use to check their partner. You know, that's what an INFJ will do to check their community and make sure like, you're still with me on this, right? Like you're still okay with my individuality and my weirdness and, you know, my harshness. But in terms of conflict, it's, it's, it's stuff that's happening in the moment. So you're going to say this harsh judgment that you haven't necessarily filtered through. And it's, it's kind of the same, the way of saying like that uh, you're going to say something you don't mean necessarily, or you haven't really worked through just yet. And um, it's going to make the ENFP shut down. That's for sure. And um, they're going to also back, back (laughs) themselves up with probably a louder extroverted thinking. Right. And so when you're both kind of in this place and you're sort of living in this tertiary function, you're living in your dominant attitude and it, it's kind of like a looping sort of thing, right? And really, like I mentioned earlier, to get yourselves out of that place, you both have to meet each other in your secondary functions, you with extroverted feeling and kind of giving him space or your partner space and letting them sort of work through some of their issues, but also reassuring them that you're with them, you're listening to them and you're there for them. And, you know, it's, I don't know enough about your partner specifically to be able to say, like, all I'm saying is generalizations, which uh, you have to apply that to your partner. Like I can't specifically tell you how he can grow. I don't know what his development is, like what's going on there. Right. So um, that's a challenge here. But the best that I can do is to sort of give you the advice of like trying to guide the conversation with sort of emotional clarity, you know, being as thoughtful as possible, being there for them and making space for you too, right? If it does get to a place where you have to get defensive, you know, that's, that's something that is important to question right? Like, okay, what is it? Where is he at in his development? And it's not your job to fix him, right? It's not your job to make sure that he goes through his stages of development. You can't make anyone kind of go through the next levels of things, but the best thing you can do is practice patience on your side. And that's what I do with my partner, right? Like I have had issues with my TI meeting her FI, her introverted feeling, right? It's, it's been a challenge for me to be patient while she's working through her emotions because it's all very stressful to me. And I know that it's not always rational in the moment, but I also know that like introverted thinking is also not always rational in the moment, right? It's an attempt to be rational, but it's not something that is absolutely rational all the time. So I have to give that space to someone else as well. And I think I think what happens to a lot of types is that we have we have a dominant want. We have a dominant need. For me as an introverted thinker, 
I have this need for individuality. That's what it encompasses for me. Like I want a sense of autonomy. I want someone to respect who I am as a person. I want someone to value the information that I give to the world, my sense of logic. But as an INTP growing up, I did not give that to others. And I feel like people don't really do that until they go through a deliberate stage of development, right? We expect something of others, but we don't give that ourselves. So as an introverted thinker, I was wanting this sense of individuality, but I was generalizing everyone. You know, everybody's a jerk. (laughs) Everybody's stupid. Everybody's irrational. Everybody's weird, whatever, right? And so for you as an INFJ, if you have this intuition, if you have this sense of perfectionism and you want that respected, you need to respect someone else's perfectionism, their idealism, I should say, Um, their sense of what they want, right? And finding a way to meet in the middle there. So for me to be able to get people to respect who I am and want what I want, I need to treat them as individuals. That's why when I talk about this stuff, and I'm very, very careful to like not generalize because I'm speaking to you, Naomi. I'm I'm speaking to the audience also. Like you guys, if you're an INFJ, like this is absolutely useful for you. But it's about pl- applying it to your individual story, your individual situation. I can't tell you what to do, like because <laughs> I don't know. There's other factors that come into play when it comes to relationships. You have to look at what is going on between you. You have to trace back together, be patient with one another, and trace back the nodes in this relationship system as to you know to figure out what it is causing this conflict. Because usually there is something individually going on within one of you or both of you that is causing you both to, to get to this place of defensiveness. There's something triggered in the way that someone's speaking to someone else or, you know, in relation to past experiences, or maybe something happened in your environment or your, um, you know, there's something going on with your mental state or your physical state. You know, those are things to consider when you're going through relationships, especially when you're about to meet conflict with anyone, but especially your partner. Think about like what is stressing you out in your environment, in your physical state and in your mental state. And think about that within relation to yourself and help your partner understand that and that that's what's going on within you and reassure them that when you realize that, that it is not about them, you know? So my partner and I had a recent conflict two days ago, and we've been talking about this difficulty that I've been having where I've been in my loop, which makes me agoraphobic basically. And she's an extroverted intuitive. She wants to go out and play, but she wants me to go out and play with her, right? It's not, she doesn't want to just go do it herself. She wants me to be a partner with her. And that's been a challenge for me to do. And I kind of explain what I feel is going on within me and not getting mad at her for trying to pull me out to do what she wants to do. Right. And like being compassionate and patient with what she wants, but also explaining that, explaining my side of it, right. Explaining how I'm feeling, but then also reassuring that I'm trying to get better, that I'm not just saying like, I'm not going to respect what you want. I I want to respect what she wants and I want her to respect what I want. And, you know, in order to meet in the middle, I've, I've needed to address my needs, but then also reassure her that addressing my needs is in service of addressing her needs. Right. And I think partners do their best work with one another when they are doing that. Right. I'm working on myself so that I can help you so that I can help us, right? And I think in your situation, it's going to come out like that. It's going to be like, I'm, I'm, I'm learning about my idealism. I'm learning about tempering that. I'm learning, learning about um, how to take your emotions into account. I'm learning about how I can be a little bit more patient when we're discussing these things. I'm learning how I can really sit and listen to you or something like that, like whatever it is that you're actually working on, like I'm, I'm not going to speak on your behalf, but whatever it is that you feel that you're actually working on, it is, um, it is about you addressing that within you and to your partner in real time. And I know, again, that's a challenge, right? INFJs are not always the greatest at addressing that in their real time, in real time. 
but uh, hopefully listening to this podcast and sort of letting that wish around in your intuition space will lead to some sort of aha moments within your context. And, um, you know, it, it's going to be a challenge to make space for your partner, but realize that if you want that for you, you got to, it, it's sort of like giving respect to get it, <laughs> you know, um, but not doing so in a way that sacrifices your well-being, right? Because I, I don't know anything again about the health of your relationship. So if it is actually bad and things are not going well, that might need to be addressed. It might be a situation where you have to leave. I don't know the severity of that. It doesn't sound like it's in in any severe place, but um, you know, uh, conflict is normal. Conflict is healthy, and I think facing it head on and not trying to soften the blow in any kind of way um, in terms of your individuality, but not being rude or mean <laughs> is also important. So um, I'm going to, I think there's one more question here and then we'll wrap this up. I've seen many articles on the web about which Myers-Briggs types make for perfect matches or how to find your perfect match based on your type. Um, and I think this is a really hard question to answer. So my bigger question is, as an INFJ, how can I better understand and meet my ENFP partner with where they're at? I know this is probably tough to answer because personality type is only, you know, a piece of the pie of who we are as a complex human being. We have our upbringing, our experiences, um, if you want to consider the Enneagram or other pieces of personality. But yeah, I'm just curious to find out how I can better understand my husband as an ENFP and better meet him where he's at. Okay, so I really like this question because it sort of butts up against the sort of uh, basic surface level framework of typology. And that's kind of my mission is to dive a little bit deeper because I think, I think many of us live in this world of like, you know, Carl Jung, um, uh, uh, <laughs> what's the word? Um, I don't know. They salute to him specifically. And I think that's good. I think it's fine. I think he's, he's done amazing work. He kind of led us into this place. And there are a lot of people who have been sort of working through typology and understanding it. And there are people in the modern world who are still trying to work through it and understand it. But I think a lot of the time people will live in this place. The, those who are type enthusiasts will live in this place of just kind of reciting stuff. They'll recite articles or um, they'll recite descriptions of typology or make general statements about what each function does. But functions don't live in a vacuum and types don't live in a vacuum, right? And I think that's been a part of my personal growth as an INTP is understanding that there is really no sense of object objectivity when it comes to humans, right? Like, I think it's futile to try to look at humans as if they are not human. <laughs> uh, so I think that applies to anyone in relationships learning about themselves and learning about their partners or their parents or anyone, anything like that. Right. I think type is incredibly powerful. That's not meant to dismiss type. Right. I think type is a way to understand the framework of someone, but understanding also that many people have had to adapt to type to the type that they are or, or adapt to the world based on their type, I should say. So me as an INTP, I've probably had more experience with, with extroverted feeling than a lot of types because my dad is an ESFJ. He's also a salesman. And, you know, I kind of learned a lot of my radio voice and, and, uh, you know, helping people and, and, and sort of gotten that sense of, um, that sense of ambition from him. So I've, I've both been annoyed by it and have been nurtured by it at the same time. So it's been really helpful for me in my growth and in my relationships, um, as well. And, um, it, it's a challenge to look at your partner's type and not think of them as this type 
right? Like they should just always be this, right? And I know that there are situations where my partner and I, she will be sort of upset and I'll be, I might mention typology and she'll be like, stop typing me. <laughs> like, I don't want you to do that right now, right? And I think sometimes the challenge of learning typology is to think beyond it, to think outside of it, to translate it, right? Because if you and your partner don't speak the language of typology, then it's going to be a misstep. It's going to be a miscommunication, right? And for you to think about your partner as a type could also place subconscious bias in your brain that your partner is supposed to be a certain way, especially for you as an INFJ, it's very possible for you to have this idealistic vision of what an ENFP is supposed to look like. And if he doesn't look like that, then, then you have, then you feel like, okay, then something's wrong. Right. But, um, the challenge is looking at the variables of a person looking at their, the, the quantity of needs that someone has, and not only just learning about their type or their Enneagram or their Graves model position or anything like that, but, um, but listening and being there for them and, and listening to who they are and listening to their subtleties and listening to their wants and needs and asking questions. I think, um, I think the problem with a lot of the articles of like the best match for your type is like, who is determining your best match? Like, what does that mean? What, it, what? And, and how can that be in relation to the modern world? Like best match is like for me as an INTP, like I used to be with an ISFJ and she was great for handling a lot of the sort of governmental ways of life. Like she was really good at just like getting stuff done. And, um, you know, if we, when we were getting married, like she handled all the paperwork when we got divorced, she handled all the paperwork like right away. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it's kind of, even that is relativistic. It's all relative to the way that the world is right now. Right. And, um, for me and my personal needs, you know, an INTP, I've tested as multiple Enneagram types, most likely an Enneagram seven. Um, but, uh, and an ENFP has been good for me in my personal growth. Like having her around has helped me understand introverted feeling a lot more, um, being more in tune with emotions and understanding and, and having someone who gives me space, right? Because so, it's about me too. <laughs> you know, it's not just about understanding my partner. It's about understanding that my partner is giving me what I want in relation to what I can also give them, right? It's a, it's a mutual thing. So and there are variables about like healthy or unhealthy types. So like, I don't, I feel like those best match for your type articles are in good with good intent or with good intent, but, um, there's just too many variables to consider and it makes it really hard to look at life in that way. Right. I love, I think, I think if I were to, no typology when I was looking for my partner and I came across an ENFP, I would be like, Oh, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> um, and I've told her this, I was like, I don't know that I would have like picked you, <laughs> which like sounds really scary to me now. Cause like, she's been so perfect for me, or at least, you know, relative to my needs in life and stuff. Like she's wonderful. And I don't know that I would have picked that because, you know, me being introverted thinking and kind of being a hermit and somber um, when I'm not in a place where I can spend money or like travel and things like that, um, I might not have picked the healthiest thing, healthiest choice, right? And I haven't made healthy choices in my past when I'm choosing my partner. So it's it's a challenge to trust that, you know? So it's really about I think when anyone's looking for a partner to not use typology as a way to discriminate against a partner. And I sort of talked about that in that, that MBTI romantic types episode. I think it's important to not discriminate and it goes the same when you are with a partner and you start to learn about their type, but to make sure that you're not discriminating against them based on who they should be or what their type is or any kind of stereotype about their type or something, right? That you're actually listening to them first 
And then you're going, oh, okay, this is because of this. This is not like you're expecting them to be this way because of their type or something, right? And I, I again, I think it's a matter, I think the core of it is to not dehumanize them. I think there are too many relationships where we get to this place of like, we just get so used to our partner that we find a way to dehumanize them. Sometimes that's a controlling tactic. Sometimes that is a... Um, uh, an emotional abuse thing. And I'm not saying that's anything in relation to your relationship, Naomi, but some people will get to that place, right? They'll take their partner for granted and um, just get kind of get used to them and dismiss their qualities for the sake of just, you know, navigating life or adapting. And I don't think that's actually adapting to anyone. I think that is dismissing so that you can keep being who you are, and I don't know, have your partner as like a pet or something. Right. So <laughs> I think, I think the most important thing to consider is that they are human and they are going to have emotions, especially men are not always treated as if they are emotional and that their emotions matter. And, um, that, uh, it, it is an effective decision-making tool for men. Right. And that is something I'm learning within myself, even as an INTP, that it's okay for me to be emotional when I need to be. And um, that even though it's in my inferior function, that, you know, you read a lot of articles that are just like, oh, INTP shouldn't be emotional. Like, I'm a person. Yes, I have emotions. I should be emotional. <laughs> like, stop telling me I shouldn't be emotional. Uh, that's not helpful for anyone. Right. Um, tangent. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to not make this episode any longer, because it's pretty long already, um, main point is that if you're going to be learning more about your partner, to make sure that it's something that you can do with them. I think that's, um, if you have the opportunity to do with them, then that's something that will kind of be helpful to the relationship and you're not just like getting ahead of them or you know, I, I think it's already an INFJ thing to naturally feel like they understand their partner better than they know themselves. But I think that's still assumptive, right? I think as much as that turns out to be correct, it's still dehumanizing to look at someone and say, I already have you figured out, right? So be curious, be curious about your partner, ask questions, um, be there for them. Let them reveal themselves. Don't reveal things for them. It's very uncomfortable for someone to point at you and say, like, you're vulnerable because of your father, or you're vulnerable because of this, or you're this way because of this. And I've figured it out because I looked you up. And I know your Enneagram type, and I know your personality type, and I know all of the little things, right? And you're just reciting this to them. And I think like I mentioned earlier, it's about being with them, not talking at them or, or yeah, really talking at them or explaining things to them about themselves. I think it's important to be working with them on that. And you can certainly help them deduce that, but I can't make anyone understand something. You can't make anyone understand something about themselves, right? I can't make you understand anything about yourself. Like you have to take all of this and coalesce it. Like you have to go and apply it to your life. Like I can't tell you what to do. I can't tell you how to be. I can hope for the best. I can wish you luck. And I hope to hear back. And um, hopefully there's some sort of progress in some shape or form, right? And um, Or you come up to a new crossroads and you have to figure something else out, right? That's a, that's a challenge of life. And um, I think we should be deliberate about that and careful about that, but also fearless about that and respect our partners, respect ourselves and be there for one another. And, um, that means being present with them, which I know is a challenge, but, um, you know, asking questions about their emotional state. I know recently my partner has been like, I want you to ask more questions about how I feel. And I, I'm like, okay, I could do that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it's, it's a very deliberate process that I'm working through, but, um, I have something to go on. And I think 
looking for the tools, looking for the things, the the next steps as to like having something to go on will be uh, incredibly helpful for you moving forward. So, okay. That was a lot. <laughs> All of that made sense. Um, it was a lot of fun. So thank you, Naomi, for calling in. And uh, that that's an absolutely incredible series of questions that are specific and clear and clear. And I want to point out that Naomi is also a course member, kind of gives her access to be able to call in. You're more than welcome to call in, but I'm totally letting her ask all these questions and sharing these with you guys, because I do have an INFJ course that, um, goes through a lot of this stuff, but it's really like a beginner course for INFJs. So if you're still trying to understand yourself as an INFJ, uh, I would recommend going to that course. You can just go to cnote.media. And um, I think it's actually, no, I think there's a bit.ly slash INFJ the mage. You can look for that or just go to cnote.media and scroll through my site and you'll find the courses tab there and you can go down to INFJ. I also have a free course for uh, general MBTI training. So if you're not familiar with MBTI, you probably have no idea what I was talking about in this episode. But <laughs> um, if you want to get caught up a little bit and understand the basics of Myers-Briggs, you can go to supermbti.training. That is a free course. You sign up for that and that is a way for you to get all of a lot of these little details that breaks down really the four letter code. We don't get into cognitive functions too intensely just yet. Um, that's more for the advanced course. And I'm working on a cognitive functions course for that as well. So just go to cnote.media, check out the courses I have there. And uh, I also have a brand blaster course if you're trying to develop your personal brand. So, you know, cnote.media, that's where all my stuff is. Go hang out and uh, let me know if you have any questions. Feel free to call into the show, anchor.fm slash super MBTI. Lots of call to actions, not good marketing. <laughs> and uh, leave a rating and review. That would be awesome. So thank you for listening to the show. I appreciate you guys. Take care of yourselves and each other. Be there for one another. Listen and, um, you know, don't make assumptions about people. You know, don't take things personally. It's cool. Like, work with each other, be patient, love each other, go do good things. And I'll catch you next time on Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX. Later. Hey, thanks for listening to Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX. We're going to help you with Myers-Briggs and all that fun stuff. And uh, if you want to jump straight into the advanced course, go to supermbti.training. If you want to check out my other shows, go to dopamine.life for mental, my mental health podcast. And you can go to cnote.show to check out the media podcast. So if you love this show, go to anchor.fm slash supermbti and leave some love, leave a review, share it with your friends, all that good stuff. And uh, most of all, thank you. Thank you for listening to Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX. Okay.